Hello, welcome to the Jazz Violin Podcast, episode 27. And before we start, I'd just like to say uh, I hope that everybody listening is okay and I hope your family is well and I hope that everyone is staying safe and uh, taking advice from whatever your government says and staying indoors as much as possible, uh, social distancing, all that. Please uh, do it because it's serious. Um, yeah. I hope that everybody's family is well and I hope that nobody is um, is uh, experiencing ill health because of the coronavirus. This is episode 27 and today we're chatting to Billy Contreras. just like to talk to you first about a new podcast that I've started called Locked in the Green Room. It's basically me interviewing different musicians around the world who have been affected to some degree by the coronavirus, which is pretty much every musician. We're all sitting at home. We don't have any gigs and we are trying to find things to fill our time with. Um, so just chatting to different musicians, you might be excited to know that I spoke to Charlenberger again. So he is a guest on that new podcast and you can hear him chatting all about uh, how he's uh, been spending his time and as you can imagine he's been spending his time pretty well so that new podcast is called locked in the green room you can find that on podbean uh, spotify soon to be itunes uh, you basically look in the description of this podcast and you'll find a link there so that's locked in the green room it's called locked in the green room because the green room is the musician's limbo period before the gig and right now we're all stuck in a big limbo period before the gig which we don't know when it's going to start. Uh, yeah, so please check that out. Um, so, uh, also, another thing to bring up, and I think you've heard me say this before, but the old Patreon thing, you know, if you want to <laughs> if you want to help me out on Patreon, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com forward slash jazz violin podcast. And uh, yeah, now would be the time, if that's possible, because at the moment... I don't have any gigs, I'm just sitting at home and uh, not much money coming in. So if you want to help me out and help the podcast run, keep running, then please uh, head on over to Patreon and help us out. You can, uh, you know, you can start giving money and stop whenever you want. You don't have to keep giving. You can give me whatever. You can give me five pounds. You can give me ten pounds. You can give me a hundred and ten pounds if you wanted to. You can do whatever you want. You could not give me anything as well, which is also fine. My guest today is Billy Contreras. He is one of my favorite violinists uh, that's around today, really. He is absolutely amazing, as you can hear in the background right now. He uh, is uh, an American-based jazz violinist, and he will blow you away if you haven't heard him before. So please enjoy and give it up for Billy Contreras. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, you doing? Just moved places. Just moved places now. Got internet, which is good. Um, but yeah, just moving amidst all this shit. It's a bit um it's a bit yeah. intense, isn't it, you know? Don't really like wasn't expecting Yeah. This. Yeah, um, a lot of crazy stuff yeah. going on. 
How's it going where you are? Man, it's going pretty good. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I think, uh, I think it's around, oh God, I can't remember now. I want to say like maybe a hundred in the state I'm in. Yeah. But it's kind of, I think most of them are actually in the county I'm in. Cause I live like in like the, the metropolitan area of Tennessee, huh. like the capital and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's 60 in this county. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of just doing that multiplying, you know, yeah. every couple of days. Yeah. And how's it over there where you're at? Well, I'm in London. Um, oh wow! So it's it's multiplying. I actually don't know. I don't know how many. I don't know how many it is, but yeah. it's definitely uh, <laughs> it's definitely going up for sure. Yeah. Are you guys are you yeah, guys allowed crazy. to like leave the house? Um. Yeah. There's not like. I mean, it's not like a mandatory. You can't. But it's a like. You know, don't leave the house unless it's something, you know, like basically we're only leaving if we need to go to the grocery or something. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, yeah, just uh, all the all the bars and I think all the, I think most of the restaurants now have shut down. Yeah. And um, yeah, pretty much it's just like, yeah, stay inside. So, yeah. Uh, is that what, are you guys mandatory? Or? Well, no. What happened? But basically, our prime minister is like, he's being the most lax out of everywhere in the entire world. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Oh, he's, wow. I don't really know why. Um, but he's uh, yeah, he's so he's he's but he he basically was trying to make it, the whole country sort of do this. Uh, what's it called? Herd immunity thing, where like some people, he's like, yeah, well, some people are gonna get it, and then uh, we'll all become immune, and it'll be fine. But then the yeah. world, Health, the World Health Organization was, was like, dude, that's the <laughs> worst idea. And he's slowly, like, slowly, like changing his, changing his tune, and like just sort of, uh, but we're doing it really slowly. And now he's shut all the bars and everything, you know, like all the bars yeah. and restaurants and stuff. Everything's shut. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm imagining that you're in the same boat as a lot of us, which is like all your all your gigs have gone. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, man. <laughs> and all, yeah, all the gigs are like, yeah, just disappeared. And um, yeah, I think we're, yeah, I got stuff canceled pretty much till like into April. Yeah. But what, what about you? How far out is it? Uh, well... Not, you know, not much. Actually, well, as the most of April. Well, all sorry, all of April, a hundred percent gone. All of this yeah. month, a hundred percent gone. Um, yeah. And so, well, actually, some places just haven't even got in contact. But like, it totally, doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I just know <laughs> that I can't do it to do the gigs. Shut down. Yeah. All yeah. the all of my bar gigs around London disappeared, obviously, and all all these things. It's a uh, yeah. It's tough to try and guess when it's gonna like yeah. I'll pick up back again. Yeah, but uh, you know we're all in the same boat. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's man. There's also dude. I, there's good things about it too, man. Like I mean, I, I really, I really like the pace of things now a lot better. Yeah. You know, like you don't want to be out of work all the time, but I don't know, man. Sometimes it's easy to like overwork yourself. Yeah and uh yeah yeah very but. much so it can be where are you from i'm from well i'm from england but oh, okay well i grew up in scotland 
Oh, nice. Um, and now I live in in London. So that's awesome. Yeah, and you're you're from the states, right? Yes. Yeah, I was born up in Michigan, but I grew up here in Tennessee around Nashville. So. Ah, yeah. 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 Well, man. Well, maybe did, you grow, did you grow up playing uh, Scottish music at all, or like a really small amount? Not, not, not really. Yeah. I got into the violin through just sort of school lessons playing classical oh, okay. music. But yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I did. I mean, I have a bit of that, but the Scottish thing, but not so much. I did, and I think there was like a point in my life when I when I started to just do a bit of it, and then I just I, then I then well then I got into jazz so. It, it disappeared, oh, nice. you know. <laughs> um, how did you uh, How did you start playing, actually, man? Man, I uh, well, my family's kind of musical. My dad comes from a like a real artistic family where they all kind of paint and play music. But mainly, when uh, when we moved to Nashville, there's so much music around here. Uh, my older brother was already like, you know, kind of getting serious into the piano hmm. and uh so i saw do you know who charlie daniels is yeah i saw like a video of him playing on tv yeah there's like sparks coming out of his fiddle and stuff <laughs> and uh yes yeah, so i was like man that's super cool so that kind of did it but then i went down we just happened to kind of go down to the park one day in the town we lived in and there was a fiddle contest there yeah and uh yeah, so that kind of just really did it, man. And um, yeah, I was just really enthralled. And uh, so I asked some people there for lessons, and some of them recommended doing Suzuki. Right. So I did Suzuki for about like six months, but I really wanted to learn to play fiddle music. Yeah. So uh, after six months, like switched over to a fiddle teacher and stuff. Ah. So. So you yeah. start. So you started with Suzuki, and did you stop doing that because you? weren't that into it um yeah well the goal was kind of you know when i started to just do fiddle music so right yeah i just really wanted to kind of do that the whole time it is cool how in suzuki you know like when at least in the beginning you learn by ear and stuff yeah. so that's kind of you know a big similarity with a lot of you know fiddle music mm. but um but definitely yeah, i wanted to get more into like the fiddle tunes and stuff yeah but um yeah. Ah, do you reckon it's? Uh, do you reckon it, it sort of shaped you a little bit in terms of like technique or and and I guess with the ear thing, it must have done. Man, I would. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would think you know everything has a influence that you do. So it wasn't a long time, but uh, but yeah, I'm sure you know starting with you know the ear training emphasis yeah. and a good technique man yeah. that doesn't hurt yeah that's you know like getting some good technique early on is luckily my fiddle teachers were um they were really good about that too you know uh -huh. having good technique and stuff but ah. um it's interesting like yeah. so fiddle like american fiddle music you know i don't know anything about the, the i guess the pedagogy of that and like how it's taught and how um you know like just now you're talking about um about technique and i think that a lot of people's understanding of like folk music styles is that like technique isn't a big thing but that's interesting to hear that you had a good technical basis from those guys yeah man i think it's i think it's like man technique is you know probably really essential 
to whatever style you're doing, but I guess just kind of different techniques. Yeah. You know? And, um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, my first fiddle teacher, he was really good about just basic, like, you know, like good parallel lines everywhere, Mm. you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, holding yourself up straight, just kind of good, good form in general. I think fiddle is one of those instruments. If you don't at least get a good basic, um, technique of playing it when you're young, man, it's hard. I think when you get older, so that's like, um, yeah, I think that's really good. But yeah, technique with, yeah, with all that stuff is kind of, um, I guess as you get older, you get more into the, the details of all that kind of technique of different types of folk music, you know, Mm. um, which there's definitely a lot of similarities, some differences, but, uh, but yeah, I find that, that really interesting and stuff doesn't always, you know, like, uh, you know, work like for one thing for another, Yeah. but, um, but I think like, ideally if you have like the ability to adapt your technique to different situations is really good. So one thing I try and do is not get get, like too set in how I do something. Mm -hmm. So like the other day on the gig, man, I just started using a completely different bow hold just because I was like, man, I've never done like this bow hold. And I was like, man, I'm just kind of curious to see how it'll like change my plane and it definitely i just is the thumb under like i'm more i'm do the thumb on the inside yeah and i was just like man i think i might have started thumb under just for a little while but uh but yeah and it definitely man totally changes uh totally changes the touch of the bow Mm. and um yeah so i'm really interested in a lot of that stuff just you know how you hold Mm. you know the other day i was noticing when you hold the bow up the stick a little bit um like how it totally changes the tone yeah the the, you know the tone you're getting on an instrument yeah so that kind of stuff is interesting and and a lot of the work i do which is kind of you know different styles it definitely helps to like not ever get too set in one technique per se yeah um because yeah just different things call for different you know ways of playing yeah and uh yeah and it can be really uncomfortable man if you go to try and play something and you and you're like kind of you know stuck with a certain way of doing it and you got to change it yeah um so that's that's really interesting you know um you know and and yeah different you know especially like the rhythm of the music can really mm. change um like how you how you move the bow and stuff but, yeah 100 percent. yeah for sure hey you know what i was thinking about like you know american folk styles it feels so different to um if you listen to, you know like scottish irish and like the, all a lot of the Eastern European stuff, there's not like heavy emphasis, and I, maybe maybe I'm talking shit. Maybe I'm talking. I'm I'm not. Maybe <laughs> this isn't true. But there's not like heavy emphasis on like ornamentation. Like you, there's obviously ornaments, but if you listen to like yeah. Irish stuff and and Balk, like lots of different Balkan styles, it's all just like the ornaments, you know. And I yeah. noticed that that might not, it's not it's not really the case with with Amer- with American folk styles is that is that man, true man now that you say that yeah it kind of does seem true just um yeah thinking about like the american styles that you know i'm thinking of you know like uh stuff like old time fiddle tunes yeah um texas style yeah you know obviously like the american styles that are like 
you know, more influenced by that stuff do. But mm. but yeah, all the kind of really legit um American styles, man, I don't know if they really do. Yeah. Um Yeah, now they definitely have their own well, yeah, I guess it's just different because they definitely yeah. have their own types of ornament. I'm just thinking now like, you know, sometimes if I'm playing like um like blues or boogie type of stuff mm -hmm. there's definitely like a whole set of ornamentation yeah i wouldn't necessarily call it like ornamentation but it ends up like being like that kind of like you know little things that you add in places mm. that add a lot of style to it yeah that are somewhat like you know repetitive in yeah. their nature yeah um but yeah totally yeah like um i'm and actually like Man, like I was talking about trying to, I'm kind of a big fan of trying to change up the way I play. And so lately mm. I've been, you know, playing these, working on these old time tunes yeah. and actually kind of like doing what you're saying. Like, ah. I'm just trying to play them like super straight, yeah. like, um, like tone wise intonation, mm. um, you know, like getting the bones real particular and then mm. just trying to play it really, um, really really straight without even like you know a lot of old time tunes will have like a lot of hammer-ons and stuff yeah they won't have fancy ornamentation but um but yeah even taking out all that stuff and just trying to man just get it like straight to the mm. point yeah and uh see if that kind of opens up some other ways to create interest you know through sound ah. and different other kind of approaches but yeah. yeah, that's interesting though. Yeah, so that's yeah, well, an interesting point. So I guess it probably means that it opens you, like it, it can. It means moving on to like jazz stuff is a little bit easier because jazz, like, does not really in the same way. Jazz doesn't really have heavy ornamentation in the same way that folk music does. And it must. I, I wonder if it's it can be a bit. You know, I think it'd be quite hard for Scottish folk players to go from playing folk music to playing jazz. Uh, because yeah because they're just like when they play an a they're gonna like they can't help but play like a b just before it or whatever you know i mean not, <laughs> i'm not i'm again i don't want to yeah generalize it's not not obviously totally. always the case but it must be, i think it must be quite much harder for scottish and, for, and irish players to to like just sort of play do that sort of does like a pure tones that you sort of that, that work so well in jazz you know um, yeah yeah you know i'm yeah i'm not i'm not you know because i don't play a lot of irish or scottish music mm. but um yeah you don't see i guess i only know like maybe a couple guys that you know do do both those styles yeah. really well yeah um but it is the cool thing about jazz you know is that like it's such a you know kind of has the ability to be kind of such an abstract language because it's improvised so much yeah. of it yeah. that uh the cool one of the cool things i like about it is you have the ability to bring in really anything into it you know um which is really cool mm, um yeah. you know kind of like whatever your background is you know you can bring that into the fold yeah and um yeah one one interesting thing to me is you know um just uh, the differences and um and like styles between like jazz players that might come from a more fiddle background yeah. that might come from a more classical yeah. background it's yeah it's interesting just to see the different and even when you get into the fiddling like what kind of fiddle background do you have mm. you know 
is it more like this thing or more of this? Is it more bluegrass or yeah. more like fiddle tunes or more Texas style? Yeah. Um, that kind of, all that stuff kind of makes a big difference. And, you know, um, so those things are really interesting. Yeah. And, um, I, I really, you know, it's probably just cause you relate to your, you know, personal experience the most, but I really, uh, man, like, like to me, it's kind of like playing jazz and playing fiddle tunes is like basically kind of like the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, just cause like the forms are so similar, yeah. the way the melodies like develop is pretty similar. The way you improvise on it is fairly similar. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the harmony is kind of different and the way you utilize space, those are kind of the two big differences. Yeah. Um, Cause you're using space basically in jazz to shape things in like angular ways. Yeah. And you might not do that as much in a fiddle tune. Yeah. Um, and the same way you're using, you know, the harmony to create like kind of tension and release in different, um, you know, ways. And that, that might, you might not do that as much. Um, although like, you know, when I play a fiddle tune on a lot of gigs, if I'm going to like, you know, kind of stretch out on it, it's all kind of the same concepts, yeah. but, um, but, uh, but definitely, yeah, for me, I like to, um, you know, I'm constantly, uh, kind of using both those things like jazz and fiddle music to further my learning in each respective style. They, oh, they really have so many commonalities. Mm. Like when you get into, you know, bowing stuff and especially all those old time tunes that have kind of like different bowing patterns. Yeah. It's real similar to like a jazz ride symbol. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of like, you know, rhythmically, even though there's not a lot of space when you use the bow in a, in a particular rhythmic way, yeah. like oriented around like different types of, uh, patterns, like in, in phrases, it ends up turning into a lot of like the same rhythms mm. um yeah you don't have the only thing you don't really have is like there's so much like three over two in jazz there's so much yeah. like movement between triplets and duplets you don't really get that in the bow and the fiddle tunes but any of the like cross sections mm. you know stuff um like uh you know the three against two that kind of stuff yeah um you definitely get all that in the bow so that's cool and um and then melodically you know they're they're kind of similar because you know like fiddle tunes you know are kind of like seems like the precursor to you know uh kind of like pop music in america yeah. you yeah. know like a little bit far removed now no, yeah yeah I get but you. um but you know if you if you take away kind of all the fancy stuff going on in the tunes you're basically just left with these like simple little pop tunes yeah and um yeah and so you know jazz is kind of you know the same thing it just kind of went a different direction mm. so as, as far as the way the melodies are built and structured um how the phrases develop they're really similar as far as that yeah um and so yeah like understanding fiddle tunes really well can teach you how to like improvise and create melodies and jazz that have a strong connection to to the motifs and the melodies because that's kind of what fiddle tunes are doing yeah they're a fancy version of this really simple melody and when you get into that concept deep and you know i like to do this thing where i like um like 
like reduce like all the frills and then like have these basic sub melodies uh-huh. and then mess around with a bunch of ways to like create new um ways of playing the tune from that which is really much easier because if you're trying to improvise off of something that's complicated it's really difficult i find um but you can take that same approach when you're playing jazz you know how to um you know play around the melody and that kind of stuff and you know create different shapes based off the same kind of like sub yeah um, sub movement of the melody yeah but, ah okay yeah, yeah. in like a yeah like yeah i guess it could go a couple different directions um but um yeah just like in in fiddle music some people call it like controlled improvisation right and like so like you know um you know if uh like like i was working on this tune the other day called duck river yeah just learning it and um and I find sometimes, man, if you learn something too well, you don't really know it. Like, yeah. you can play it exactly, but playing something exactly doesn't, like, really make you, like, understand it on a deep level really well. Yeah. So, like, sometimes what I do is just, like, approximate my learning. And I might just kind of, like, subliminally listen to this tune and just kind of, like, whatever, you know, yeah. not pay too much attention to it. But, um but still kind of check it out a little bit. So like with that tune, that's kind of what I did. And, um, and it was a lot easier to kind of, um, yeah, to do like, um, you know, different ways of developing the melody. Um, I guess it just lets you see the bigger, yeah, you see like the bigger, like the the important characteristics kind of jump out more. And uh, sometimes it's easy to get distracted by all the little details, um, which can make it harder to create new stuff off of it sometimes if you if you if you half know something you you a lot of the time you're you're trying to use your ear to hear it rather than just your fingers happening and just doing it you know so and then as soon as you as soon as you start like that off in your mind then you're just going to be able to be creative with it a lot more that that sounds like that's how it rings to me what you're saying yeah, and as far as, yeah, you know, like the jazz, you know, and the motifs, I think, yeah, it just depends player to player. Um, you know, it seems like like most, man, most a lot of deep players and a lot of styles of music, like, you know, have ways that they figure out to, like, keep, you know, reinventing motifs. Mm. And sometimes they can get, like, real, you know, like, hidden, mm. you know, um, yeah, sometimes that stuff can get like, and like working on these fiddle tunes like that, it's easy to see how it happens so quickly. Yeah. You know, and, um, but, um, yeah, but, but yeah, that's kind of, you know, um, yeah, cool approach. And, uh, um, yeah, definitely that's like a goal is to, um, you know, especially with fiddle music, um, it's easy to like play too much of the melody or way off the melody. Uh-huh. So figuring out ways that, um, you know, you can, uh, it's, it's tricky too, man. It's like, uh, but, but yeah, I like that, that way of reducing the melody. Um, it's kind of a, a really interesting way to come up with a lot of new variations. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. Hey, how did you, how did you first start get like, how did you first start playing jazz? Man, um, 
I can't really remember. I know my brother, my older brother was getting um into jazz some on the keyboard. Yeah. And then uh and then I started uh studying with Buddy Spiker when I was about eight mm. years old. And I maybe I, I yeah, sometime in our first lesson, you know, I think he probably taught me that tune whispering, right. which is the uh, grooving grooving high as a contrafact over that tune. Ah. And um yeah, so definitely just started getting into like swing and western swing and yeah. some jazz stuff with Buddy at a pretty young age. Yeah. And uh got got more into western swing for a couple of years and then um really started getting, you know, pretty um interested in jazz yeah. a lot when I was maybe 11, uh-huh. 11 or 12 or something. But uh but yeah, basically kind of learned to improvise when probably when i was about 10 because right. i started playing with buddy's band yeah. and he would we'd just be playing you know and he'd be like okay it's your time to play yeah. and so we did that every week for about six years and so that's kind of where i learned how to improvise mainly yeah. just from that or that weekly gig and yeah. preparing for that and stuff yeah. but uh and we do a lot of standards on that gig that kind of thing yeah uh, so a lot yeah. of it was like basically on the job in a way, like, but from a young age. Yeah, definitely. Like having that weekly thing made uh, made a good like intuitive uh-huh. approach to learning how to improvise. But I'd be working on it during the week. Yeah, you know, we would get together and work on tunes and arrangements, and uh-huh. then on my own time, I'd be like working on ideas. Yeah, you know, different harmonic ideas. Um, you know, trying to learn new licks, that kind yeah. of thing to you know have that you know having a weekly thing for that can be be really good yeah and um but then also when i was 12 i got pretty like doing a lot of jazz stuff so i did like some different jazz programs around the country Mm. um things you like audition for or send in things a lot of them were like about composition stuff yeah um and started playing some jazz festivals so for about three or four years i did a lot of jazz playing on a pretty regular basis yeah and uh which is which is good it's like it's hard to like i mean it's just it can uh yeah putting yourself in an environment where you get to play something a lot yeah um it's just really really good and um yeah so i'm glad i got to spend a lot of time when i was younger doing that i definitely don't play as much jazz like as i get older just because a lot of my work is um it's not that it's not a lot of the same concepts, but not just like, um, you know, kind of uh, jazz gigs a lot. So, yeah. 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 So uh, you, a lot of your work is like old time and sorry, like fiddle stuff. Oh, yeah. Most of my work is like a mixture of like, well, it changes. Like I have a weekly Monday gig and uh, I put up a lot of, the recordings on like archive.org or something like mm-hmm. that. I forget what it's called. Um, but like it, I've been doing that for a couple of years uh-huh. and uh, it's changed over the years. I had a band for a while and we got a bunch of YouTube videos, about 90 videos from the last like couple months of shows <laughs> and did that. So like, and I'll be working on that, you know, during the week. And that's kind of like a mixture of like, jazz it's kind of a fusion of jazz and bluegrass yeah but so i did that you know it's like all my originals or original arrangements um then the next year after that i did uh a trio for a year 
mm-hmm. where I would uh, switch between electric mandolin and fiddle. I worked up like a whole classical repertoire for that, you know, mm-hmm. based on improv stuff. Yeah. And did a pop set, uh, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. And then this year I've been doing a different band every week and trying to write all new music for every week. So that's oh, wow. been really fun. And so that keeps me kind of like, you know, you know, getting trying to stretch out concepts all the time. Yeah. And um, and challenge my improvising. Like a couple of weeks ago, I did a set of uh, meter modulation. So there's a tune in three, a tune in five, a tune in seven, <laughs> tune in nine, a tune in eleven, a tune in thirteen. Yeah. You know, some of them have like matcher modulations within the tune. Yeah. Um, some of them are kind of you know some are reharm, so it might be some difficult ways navigating melodies um so that stuff kind of i do that on a weekly basis who kind of you know keeps me on my toes i wouldn't say it's jazz because like um i mean genre names are a little bit um boxy but um yeah yeah i don't know i mean like a lot of people would say it's jazz um but yeah so i do that um now i don't make any money doing that (laughs) but that's kind of like for fun yeah and then a lot of my work I do, like, I play with a lady on the road, Crystal Gale, uh-huh. and she was, like, a big uh, country pop singer mm-hmm. in the, a few decades ago. I do a lot of sessions. My sessions range from, uh, like, pop music to western swing, some jazz, country, bluegrass, yeah. indie rock, blues. Just kind of, like, basically, basically, like, all my work basically involves, like, basically all american like genres of music it's kind of pretty evenly mixed in between them um then i do teach college and uh and kind of teach the same stuff just how to be versatile within like american genres of music and with a big focus on like improvisation within that you know um and then uh yeah then play a lot of live gigs um I try, as I get older, I try and just kind of like compress it all into one. So when I'm playing a gig, a lot of times I'm thinking less about like, is it a country gig or a jazz gig or a swing gig or an old time gig? Yeah. And basically just all the same concepts run together. Yeah. Like what kind of form am I trying to like maybe configure over the next five or 10 minutes? Yeah. Like, you know, what kind of ideas am i trying to attach to different parts of that form you Mm. know what type of dynamics am i using in the phrasing Mm. you know as far as like how they how they go chronologically or maybe like what type of like you know uh, rhythmic kind of concepts am i using you know all that kind of stuff which kind of runs together on any of the gigs yeah and so um yeah so i might like you know on the same gig that's like way different sound and then another gig really be approaching it the same way Mm. you know and and little stuff might change you know like because obviously if everybody else is playing different it's going to change you know how you play yeah but um but generally as i get older you know i guess you could say you're just getting set in your ways (laughs) but i like to think it's just more like a i'm trying to unify kind of like all the different aspects of like what i do yeah and um and that, that makes it fun too because it's not ever like oh i'll go to this gig i gotta put on this hat when i go to this gig i gotta put on this hat ideally it's more just like all the same and like good music concepts basically work yeah you know in anything and um but yeah but uh 
but yeah, I really enjoy doing a lot of different types of work, which um, I get to do in Nashville is a really good place for that. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. And in general, country music's really interesting because I think actually more than any other style of music, it really draws from all styles of music, which mm. is really interesting. Because, you know, it has a big blues element. Yeah. It has a big swing element. Mm. It has a lot of jazz elements. Um, it has, like, a little bit of classical elements. Mm -hmm. um, it has, like, some world styles. Yeah. You know, like, either Canadian or Mexican kind of influences. Yeah. Um, it draws from, like, R&B and gospel. Yeah. Um, so I really like it because, you know, depending on the band you're playing with, sometimes you might play a set. And you could play blues tunes, uh, old swing tunes, jazz standards, fiddle tunes, bluegrass tunes, and then just straight up classic country tunes, like all in the same set. Yeah. Which is really fun. I really don't know like another style of music where that happens like on a regular basis. Yeah. And um, which which is really cool, um, especially if you really enjoy you know playing a wide variety of styles. Nice. Ah, that is really interesting. I had never. I mean, the thing is, is you just there's just not really a scene for like country music that you that, that you're talking about like that in the UK. So there's not really. I mean, and it's. I mean, I guess you do get some people playing it, but not obviously not as much as in where you are. But yeah, you know, and, and not all country gigs are like that here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely different. Like anything, there's different scenes and stuff. Yeah, but. But a lot of the scenes, I guess, that I play in are tend to kind of go a little bit more that direction. Yeah. Um, you know, there's other stuff that's more specific, like, you know, might just play this kind of decade, um, you know, of country music. Kind of like in jazz, like some group might just play like bebop. Yeah. Or some group might yeah. just play fusion. Yeah. But then you have some, some you know, groups that kind of compress it all and kind of do a new thing or yeah. that kind of deal. Yeah. But... See, I was talking last time, last episode I did, I did with a French violinist, Bastien Ribot. Do you know that guy? Man, I don't. Where's ah. he from? He's a Parisian. Well, I think he, well, he's not Parisian, but he lives in Paris. He's from Toulouse, but he's French. Oh, cool. He does, you know, the more the jazz manouche thing, the the gypsy jazz thing. And yeah. I was talking to him about this sort of, you know, there's a French jazz violin sound and it's it's slowly totally. it's slowly like grown from Grappelli into Jean-Luc Ponty and Didier Lockwood and and then the the guys around Paris now they're sort of sort of like adding to it and and you know you hear someone you hear someone who's French play jazz violin and a lot of the time <laughs> you'll know like that they're French and I feel like it's totally yeah a hundred percent the same with America. Um, mm -hmm. And I just wonder what you think about that. Like, if you hear if you hear a violinist play, playing well, just playing anything that isn't, I guess, American music, can you hear? You can probably hear it. And can you hear that in jazz? Do you hear? Do you feel like there's like an American jazz violin sound? Man, I guess it. Well. Yes and no. I, I guess I can only speak from my specific opinion. Yeah. But like, yeah, like you're saying, man, like, you know, French jazz violinists, you know, not to be like stereotypical, but like you're kind of saying there's some similarities yeah. like, throughout like the decades, yeah. you know, that kind of 
Um, so yeah, definitely yeah, like influences like, passed I, down in a way. Yeah, and so I guess like in like like in the sense of American, like I would say there's like a what I would call like a Nashville fiddle mm. jazz approach. Right. Okay. And the only reason why I say that is because like a lot of guys who play jazz from America uh if they grew up maybe somewhere like new york city or something they yeah. might not have like a extensive like fiddle background yeah and so they'd they'd probably have a pretty different sound yeah like it actually you know i mean kind of like when i when i think of the french thing i think of like um like partly like a little bit of a classical thing yeah like not not always but like and so that could also be like in america too like i'd say it's about half and half with jazz violinists here but um but definitely like to like i kind of when i think about american uh jazz i kind of think about like blues and fiddle mm. music mm. and um so there's like great there's great you know jazz violinists that don't do any like fiddle that come out of the blues like claude williams yeah um but there's a lot of guys that come out of fiddle that do more jazz like buddy spiker yeah um but i definitely i think like from what you're saying there if i had to like sum it up like the american jazz fiddle style is basically like influenced heavily by like fiddle tunes yeah. and blues yeah and um and myself i definitely like to bring both those mm. concepts into kind of whatever i'm doing yeah. um it's just like where i grew up here it's like both of those things are like really like everywhere you go yeah and um so yeah, and I guess that's kind of like the difference is is like well I don't know I don't know, but yeah. um yeah I think it's just you're just used to hearing different melodies yeah you know um and uh, like an accent, some of those like man like yeah just like yes yeah, sometimes melodies are di written differently mm. um but uh, yeah it's definitely interesting it's kind of fun to like. You know, you don't like to be stereotyped too much no, as a musician no. a lot of times. But but it's also fun to be, you know, like, <laughs> um, you know, kind of trace your musical lineage, yeah. you know, from players to player. Yeah. And kind of, like you're saying, see how you pick up things and what you add to it, that yeah. kind of deal. But, um, yeah. Well, it's, but, yeah. it must just be about talking take, with Bastian. He was saying, you know, it's about just being in, in the, with a bunch of, violinists to do something really similar to you and you watch them play a gig you see them play all night and you just and you just you can't help but be uh you know taken in by it and you can't help but take some of it in totally and it's like like you're saying with you had these regular gigs and that would that I, I reckon that's going to influence you so heavily oh definitely yeah man i personally think uh yeah, in my in my career, I've been way more influenced by uh, players like playing in bands with me than by records. Ah, I'd say okay. much more so. That's actually like my favorite thing about playing in a good band is like generally like I might play in a band for a few years, you know, and uh, so like man, I'll usually end up really taking to like maybe one person's playing in that band a yeah. lot, and then I'll just like try and learn the way they think about things, how they perceive what they're hearing yeah. and how they like create stuff. And yeah. it's, it's a great opportunity to do that because it's such like a recurring thing. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that's definitely, um, every couple of years I'll be in a situation and I'll like really pick up a lot of ideas from someone, um, in the band I'm playing with mm. much, much more so than like from records records. You kind of get, I feel like, uh, a single thing here, even if it's like a big concept, it's still, but like sometimes like when you play repetitively with someone, you can like pick up whole kind of like yeah. um catalogs ideas from them yeah and uh so yeah that's man i totally agree with what he's saying there it's uh yeah it can be a really really beneficial you know thing to check out the same same players and on a, on a you know live basis but i guess that uh, must mean that if you you know if you're playing with some if you're saying that you get a lot of your influence from other players that means that you must be getting a lot of your influence from other instruments a lot of the time not just violinists man yeah totally so when i grew up playing with buddy we played twin fiddles yeah so in that particular setting yeah. i would get a lot of um ideas from buddy but yeah in other settings as i've gotten older yeah definitely like it'll be um maybe a piano player or a guitar player yeah. or a steel guitar player or maybe a drummer um yeah. but yeah definitely uh, a lot from other instruments yeah which i'm which i'm a big fan of it's like you know i don't know but i've always kind of like as much as possible tried to like um go less traveled routes yeah so whenever i'm working on something i try and as much as possible uh bring some type of originality to it mm. and um yeah so that's kind of you know, I just find that it's just interesting to me. So uh, I think I kind of naturally seek out ways that um, kind of create those opportunities. So do you, is there any? Do you ever have you ever sort of struggled with anything when it comes to uh, you know learning music and learning learning the violin? Be it yeah. Oh man, yeah, all the time, man. I'm kind of in it for the big picture. Mm -hmm. So like. No, I hadn't always been, but the last few years, I'm really like, you know, sometimes it might take me a couple of years to be able to like maybe get a get some concepts that really influence. Like right now, I'm really big on like these like large scale forms. So like a lot of times on gigs, I'm trying to like ingrain that concept until it becomes intuitive. Mm -hmm. So like I'd say in another like maybe maybe two years i probably will be able to do that really well yeah like basically now i kind of like still have to like like be really conscious of it and like make myself do it and if mm. I, I like forget to do it maybe 25 percent i will but then won't so like yeah so stuff like that is like man a lot of times um yeah try and just be a little bit patient and you know you want to work on stuff and get it but for me it takes actually like a pretty long time to like absorb concepts because mm -hmm. really it's kind of like you only absorb it from doing it on a gig enough time yeah yeah so a lot of that depends on how many gigs you're playing what the gigs create as far as musical opportunities yeah um but yeah so that's like one i'm working on now that i'd say in a couple of years i'll have pretty well um you know other things like i'm not too successful with like i'd like to write a lot more music yeah on the fiddle i don't do that a lot i mainly write on piano uh -huh. um i'm pretty successful with that because i've been doing it since i was a kid and um but yeah and then man i'm thinking uh yeah i, I kind of like you know um 
I kind of just go wherever the wind blows me mm-hmm. and just uh, try like like lately I've been trying to get some more technique. So fi- trying to find like new ways to like um, create like quicker movement mm-hmm. um, and like more distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of something I've been working on. And uh, and then like a lot about a lot of stuff with the bow. So something I've been working on for a year or two now um, is like trying to really bring a poetic sense to the way my bow moves when I'm improvising. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's kind of that same thing where it's like, you know, um, sometimes you can do something intuitively well. And then when you try and analyze it, I find it kind of makes you do it worse. But mm-hmm. eventually, a few years later, you'll probably do it way better yeah uh, um so yeah so kind of like with my bow I, i've like lately i've been the last couple of years really get into like how to like be more in control of it and it's not just doing whatever it wants you yeah. know the same way you would be with the left hand yeah. you could just do whatever the left hand wants you know but sometimes you know it's nice to be in control of the melodies it's playing so same with the bow yeah being in control of the bow movements so like in particular that's something like i used to struggle with a lot and i feel like i'm getting a lot better on and uh and again yeah just different ways of working on it is really important um because again it's kind of like i was talking about you get something too well Mm. and sometimes you can get lost in the details and lose sight of like what's actually important Mm -hmm. so bowing is kind of like that you know just the balance of like getting super detailed about it and then also um yeah trying to like yeah but but that's so but yeah as far as kind of stuff you know in this morning you know like with everybody you know with this you know work stuff i'm kind of like okay what can i do so i'm i'm uh working on this transcription of a video that my buddy put up that we did from a long time ago and so i was working on that and man well besides it's like oh my god trying to transcribe stuff off of youtube is just like Cause the pause feature is so messed up oh, shit, you know yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta hit it before you pause it yeah so it's just been like man it's like but anyway there's a couple things in there that are like tricky to hear so this morning that's kind of been my challenge like you know how to write out something like there's one phrase that's really back phrase and it's like man how should i write that out you know <laughs> and um so that kind of stuff or um, sometimes it's kind of tricky to hear some of the double stops. Yeah. And in this particular case, I'm doing a lot of stuff where, like, there's really important notes that are really, really low dynamic value. Mm. So, like, they're almost, like, not a note, but they're kind of essential to the melody. Yeah. So just, yeah, trying to hear that stuff and then decide, especially, like, how to notate it, yeah. you know, um, has been kind of this morning, like, you know, how to best kind of notate this stuff. You ever, do you ever use Transcribe, the, the program? No, I hadn't. Man, I actually, like, do everything by hand and don't really do anything on computer. Uh, oh, um, okay. But I mean from YouTube as in, like, because YouTube's pause button so annoying, I agree with you. I always download, I always find a way of downloading the MP3 and using this program, which just has a better, basically just has a better pause button. You can just press pause and it's Yeah, just, man, I should... Dude, my computer situation is like, <sighs> it's like dismal, man. <sighs> yeah, if I tried to do that, man, I'd probably like spend two hours, <laughs> wouldn't figure out how to make it work. That's what I did yesterday. I was like, dude, I need to get a notation program. And it was just like, <sighs> I could already have half of it done. By yeah, the time. yeah. Like, I know exactly what you mean. i a couple there. of hours just like 
trying to and my head hurts man if i use a computer too much yeah and so like my hand might hurt if i'm riding a lot but my head doesn't hurt yeah so like i, I just thought i'm like man dude i'm just gonna stay with this yeah and um yeah and it's it is like man it's like same thing if you're trying to learn something from a record or something yeah i guess it's the you same know, it's man. like man you better like get it that first time because <laughs> you're gonna spend a lot of <laughs> wrong times putting the needle in the wrong spot you know yeah and yeah. uh yeah, maybe it... so yeah that's kind of been the challenge this morning to like trying to remember what i'm trying to remember while i'm hearing more stuff before i can pause it <laughs> you know yeah but i guess it probably keeps you sharper doing it that way doesn't it because it's a, it's a it's man I think so. When I was younger, I used to learn stuff from tape. And, dude, that's yeah. the best, man. Because you can pause it. If you got one of those big button tape machines, yeah. you can pause it on the note. And when you un like hit the pause button with it, yeah. it comes back like in the middle of that note. Yeah. So, like, that was like, dude, that was like, you could, man, go through, yeah, a lot of stuff quickly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I hadn't found anything better than a tape for learning stuff yeah. by ear. Yeah. But, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's great. So at the moment, what are you working on? You 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 said that you're working on basically transcribing. Did you say you're transcribing some, like a performance that you did? Yeah, it's just like a, bit, a video I did with my buddy who plays bass. Ah. He has a little YouTube channel, and he's put some videos on it. So he put up one of us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm going to probably, you know, like maybe try and sell some copies of the transcription if anybody wants ah. to play along with it yeah you know so yeah that's what i was saying just something to kind of generate a little income oh, while that's interesting. work and um yeah so i was like man you know i'll do this and um yeah so and it's pretty cool man it's pretty fun and uh yeah i'm about i'm almost done with it i got a few more courses mm -hmm. but uh but yeah so doing doing that that's kind of what i was working on this morning in general, what I'm working on is uh, trying to get a set of 100 tunes that are all, like, I can't wait to play on the gig that night. <laughs> and I'm basically at 91. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, I'm at 91. This is, like, music that I've performed over the last two and a half years, basically. Uh -huh. And, um, yeah, so basically I'm trying to add to that. My last set, my last gig got canceled, you know. And I had eight new tunes that I was going to, no, seven that I was going to do that are in the book for that, that I hadn't got to perform yet. Yeah. So that's kind of like my long-term thing is basically just get a book of like, man, tons of great music of originals or original arrangements. Uh -huh. So I'm about nine away from a hundred huh. as far as like all keepers. And um, so that's kind of like a long-term project that hopefully my goal was to get that done by the end of March. And yeah. it would basically taken about three years there's some older stuff in there, not a lot, but, um, you know, and then there's like some of that classical sets in there and, uh, but that's kind of like, uh, you know, one of the goals I'm working on and, uh, yeah. And then it kind of changes a while back. I was really into learning repertoire. So I kind of just rebrushed up on a lot of like jazz standards. I'll basically yeah. do that thing where you're like typing the internet, you know, top 50 jazz tunes yeah. and like, make sure I know them all. Or like yeah. top, you know, whatever jazz ballads, you know, top Latin jazz tunes, yeah. top fiddle tunes, you know, like all that stuff. Just kind of increase my repertoire in a balance of like stuff like that mm -hmm. that everybody knows. And then also like stuff that you're just interested yeah. in um, that maybe like other people don't play as much. Yeah. So whenever I'm kind of like creatively 
not really feeling it i usually just like learn tunes ah. and um that seems like a good way to just like pass the time if i'm not writing much because when i write music i kind of get really involved in that and don't really like work on music besides the compositional process yeah. and um yeah it's, i know exactly what you mean eh? yeah and you know how it is you get into an idea and it's like you know and i, and I find man once you start getting a tune or two done you kind of get in that like mindset and it's good to just keep going for mm. another week yeah just you know crank out some more tunes and um i find the i find the compositional process really hard to start yes. um once it goes for a while i feel like it's you know fairly easy to carry on yeah but um it's intense i get it's intense for me but like but yeah so um but yeah yeah that's kind of lately and uh and then also just kind of like lately i've been switching up my projects so trying to just think about with this big break here like what do i want to do next you hmm. know yeah. i get, I get kind of bored after i do something for maybe about four months yeah i'm kind of like okay you know i need a new you know kind of a new creative outlet so yeah just trying to think like man you know what do i want to you know do next and we'll see what happens but uh mm. yeah that's interesting man that sounds yeah. sounds like a nice approach i quite I, I like that the the four months thing you know yeah it's like yeah man yeah that's what i've kind of found with my own stuff after about like well, that's why I've done this year. What I've been doing here is a different band every week and yeah. trying to write all new tunes. And that's like, it's too much the other way. It's like, man, I got to find a balance. But the balance <laughs> is like, I don't know if it's possible with like the difficulty, you know, like of, yeah, just scheduling all that stuff. But this is really, it's been really cool, man. It's like, you know, it's been really intense. But uh, it's got. I've gotten to play with a lot of great players, and I'll play some of their tunes too. Yeah. And um, but that's been really fun, man. Basically, like we all just get to the gig like an hour ahead of time mm -hmm. and run all the music for an hour, and then play a two-hour gig. Yeah. And uh, so that's been. It's been really fun, man. It's uh, yeah. Some. It's been really a fun process, and um, it kind of showed me like, man, that's like something I definitely want to keep doing over the years. It's just yeah. like trying to put together musicians who might not normally play together yeah um bringing in new music and then just kind of doing it mm. it uh it's been it's been man there's been some really really successful nights and uh yeah it's fun to just put everybody in a place of like slight uncomfortability yeah, yeah. because i feel like it really makes your senses on edge yeah and so everybody's like listening like really closely yeah. and um kind of like really reacting on a minute level huh. to everything which is cool but um oh man yeah, yeah. sounds great sounds like a great way to do things hopefully we can uh, actually get some gigs at some because like now that sounds great but you're probably not getting to do that now <laughs> no yeah my last i just yesterday i just yeah basically like the next three two or three gigs of like stuff i had lined up yeah just kind of yeah just kind of candid and uh yeah which is like man i'm kind of like in a way i'm kind of like you know it's like you just kind of got to go with whatever and make the best of it yeah so i'm like sweet man okay because i've been i kind of got in a a little bit of a of a pattern too much with these last four months because I, I feel like now i'm like 
I'm like not in command of what I'm doing, yeah. but like the situation is in command of my creativity. <laughs> yeah. Like, which can sometimes be cool because it means like in a way you've gotten like really efficient at what's going on. Yeah. But, but it's definitely not like a, a, a freeing sense of creativity. So it's kind of cool having this downtime and just like being like, man, just like letting your, your mind and like everything just go free. Yeah. And just kind of see where it wants to settle. Yeah. And, um, cause I've, I've had some certain things I want to do for a while and, uh, and they're just difficult. So yeah, I just kind of keep, you know, thinking about them and, um, yeah, so it'll be fun to kind of just see where, you know, where all this settles when things like go back to extremely fast pace. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's nice. Nice. Uh, it's a nice message for people to hear about the coronavirus. I think uh, that, to be honest, it's a nice positive outlook. Uh, and I think people are struggling with finding a positive outlook or in and out of struggling, you know, probably sometimes feeling great about it and then feeling, oh, God. And then going yeah, back to, man. Yeah, all the different information you read. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, most people I know myself. I don't know a lot about like medical stuff. So it's, no. yeah, yeah, it's uh neither do I. But yeah, but it's uh you know what? It's probably best to just like stop reading the news and just carry on practicing. <laughs> yeah, man. Honestly, one of my good friends, man. He helps me out with like a lot of like my technical stuff. Uh-huh. I kind of I trade him lessons. And he's coming up with some great music. Ah. Um, I've kind of given him a set of lessons based on these concepts, and he's like written all this music around it yeah. for double fiddles, which mm-hmm. is like is super cool. Uh-huh. And uh, but yeah, he helps me with the technical stuff. Man, I went over there like maybe a week ago, yeah. like just when all this stuff was really going down where we're at. And uh, man, and I, it was funny, man, because I walked in, he hadn't even like heard about it until like a few minutes before, because he already right. like. His his job he already kind of self isolates like right. like with his work what he has to do yeah and I was like oh my god and it's like uh, yeah it's just funny man it's like uh, yeah I was like but yeah it's like yeah was, yeah you could man if you don't know a little bit but yeah too much of it is uh, too much yeah, can kinda, can send you send you funny I think I've probably yeah. spent too much time today reading the news and I think yeah. I think I think yesterday I did much better. I was just like, just practicing and getting on with stuff, having a great time. But today I read, uh, I checked the news out too much. I need to man, stay away I from. I kind of feel, yeah, totally, man. I kind of feel the same about like listening to music. Mm. It's like, yeah, I feel like you got to find the right balance between like getting overloaded with things that aren't you. Yeah. To like, you know, because I feel like sometimes, man, you get listening too much music. It kind of like, some ways. I feel like depending on people's personalities for myself, I feel like it like sometimes can um, uh, like overcrowd my own internal thoughts, you mm. know, but, but yes, yeah, it's just like, yes, yeah, I kind of, it's kind of interesting thinking about listening to music and um, yeah, sometimes I feel like a really strong pull to, but, uh, but sometimes man, like not at all. Mm. And um, yeah, cause I mean, everything's music, right. You know, yeah. Like people say, you know, like the rain or just someone's footsteps and all that stuff, you know, laughing. And uh, so sometimes, yeah, it's like, you know, um, yeah, I like to kind of, you know, listen to that type of music a lot. Yeah. And uh, but uh, 
yeah. yeah a lot of good music out there though man yeah yeah i agree man i, I think this has been a a nice one i think we've done we've done an hour now actually just looking at the clock so it's pretty good pretty good going yeah um thanks a lot for chatting to me man being a pleasure yeah definitely man congrats your... on doing this man looking forward to hearing hearing some of the different guests you've had yeah uh, uh, there's, there's a load of them yeah man but, that's exciting um yeah i'll speak to you soon man thanks for chatting to me yeah man dude thanks so much for having me on yeah man uh yeah stay in touch man yeah i hope to see you in person sometime. yeah that'd be cool um maybe once they lift the travel ban Come yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right man see you yeah. soon bye all right man have a good day you too Well, thanks for listening to the Jazz Violin Podcast. You were listening to Billy Contreras and me, Matt Holborn. I hope everyone is staying safe, staying indoors. And uh, I, yeah, I just hope everyone's family is okay. And I hope that everyone's health is okay too. Uh, please uh, like, share, subscribe and all that stuff and blah, blah, blah. We're just about to listen to a new track that is um, from, you've heard this guy before, Dominic Ingram, and he is an amazing British jazz violinist whose new album, where's the email? Whose new album, Role Models, is about to come out on the 1st of May. This track is called Phones, and uh, yeah, please enjoy. All right, goodbye. Goodbye.